Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Now is the time of repentance. As Pastor J.D. mentions in all of his prophecy updates, we don't know the time or the hour of Jesus' return. However, in light of recent events... J.D. believes it is much sooner than later. For those who believe in Jesus, there's nothing to fear. For those who don't, make today the first day of your salvation. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on June 21st, 2020. You might tire of me saying this, but I say it nonetheless. We are on the cusp of the imminent rapture of the church, which could literally happen at any time now. I believe that with all of my heart, and I have never believed it as much as I do today. Every day. If there was ever a time to move everyone every day closer to Jesus, (laughs) it's today. While we still have time, there's no more time. We're out of time. We're at the bottom of the ninth inning, if I could borrow a baseball metaphor. It's the final seconds of the fourth quarter. Okay. God knows my heart, and I hope you'll kindly indulge me for the remainder of our time together as I share my heart with what the Lord has put on my heart. So the last three months I've learned a lot, and I'm very grateful to many of you and those of you online that have sent me information, and oh my goodness, a lot of information. I've just learned so much. and I. Inasmuch as the Lord has enabled me by the Holy Spirit, I've done my best to keep you apprised of the prophetic significance of everything that is happening in the world today. And I mean, I I get it. I know that what I've been talking about concerning what's coming has been very disturbing, to say the least. But the truth of the matter is, this is a matter of truth. 
This is the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. It's not only a matter of truth, it's a matter of life and death. That's the urgency of the hour that we are in. While many have come to the Lord or back to the Lord because of this crisis, and certainly we rejoice as we see this happening with many ministries whose church doors were shut, which <laughs> kind of reminds me of what Jesus had John write to the church of Philadelphia. When, when I shut a door, no man's going to open it. And when I open a door, no man's going to shut it. So here you have man, as it were, shutting the door to the church, and God's like, oh really? Watch me now. And the reach with the physical doors shut, I would argue, has been the likes of which we have never seen before. So many people have come to Christ, or returned to their first love, because of this crisis. I think about, I think it's in Isaiah, that God makes even the wrath of man to praise Him. Oh, I like that. The wrath of man in the end is going to praise and bring praise to God and bring people to the Lord. It's Genesis 50-20, and, and I know you tire of me saying this too, but it's my favorite verse in all of the Bible with all the other verses in the Bible, but this one in particular, where Joseph says to his brothers, what, what you did to me, you meant it for evil, but God, those two words, but God, oh man, it just changes everything. But God meant it for good to bring it about for the salvation of many this day. The evil of man, and it is evil, but God. I can almost imagine in heaven, the, the whole of the heavenly host going, oh man, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. Look what they're trying to do. So certainly we rejoice that many have come to the Lord or back to the Lord because of this crisis. However, there have been those who have been exposed, and I'll explain what I mean. The pre-tribulation rapture of the church is closer than any of us could ever imagine, yet there are those who just want to argue and fight. This, instead of fighting the good fight of faith, reaching the lost, and snatching as many people out of the fire of hell before it's too late. As I was inquiring of the Lord, He led me to Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 3. Here the prophet inquires of the Lord concerning why it is that he must continue to see sin and misery all around him 
And if this weren't bad enough, wherever he looks, he sees destruction and violence and all add lawlessness for what I think would be deemed obvious reasons. While at the same time, being surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. When Paul writes to the churches in Galatia, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, he admonishes them, even rebukes them. Listen to what he says to them. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. I think about what Jesus said, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he has succeeded in large measure at getting the body of Christ to do his dirty work for him and instead of him. Jesus said, do you want to know how they're going to know you're one of my disciples? How, Lord? By your love, one for another. That will be the litmus test. Well, of course Satan knows that. So if it's by our love, one for another, that we're going to be known as his disciples, then, then that's brought into question if it's not our love, one for another, but our devouring of one another. Paul writing to Timothy in his second epistle, chapter 2, verses 23 through 26, says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, teachable, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And he says this, please listen very carefully, that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do His will. These are Christians that have been taken captive by the devil to do His will, His dirty work for Him. You'll forgive me for the bluntness with which I say this, but with what's coming, <laughs> those who love to argue need to be coming to your senses. Stop arguing with the saved and start reaching the lost. I hope you understand I'm not talking about criticism. Some of you are looking at me going, wow, what kind of week did you have, Pastor? No, it's not, not about that. I'm not that thin-skinned bully me. <laughs> If I was, I wouldn't be in the ministry. I certainly, if I were thin-skinned, would never 
teach Bible prophecy. It's been said that if you want to be in the ministry, you need to have the heart of a child, the mind of a scholar, and the hide of a rhinoceros. I'm not talking about the criticism or the attacks that come against me. And of course, they're increasing. In fact, it's actually a badge of honor. I know that I have aroused the ire of the enemy. You know what I get concerned is when there are no attacks. I get really concerned when the devil sends me a thank you card and a bouquet of flowers for my wife. (laughs) Keep up the good work. You are no threat to the kingdom of darkness. That's when I get concerned. The amount of attacks to me is a gauge by which I measure the effectiveness of the ministry that God has entrusted me and the privilege that is mine. So it's not about that. Here's what it is about. And please hear my heart on this. It's when Christians argue and fight and quarrel with each other. What kind of advertisement is that for Christ? What kind of a witness is that for Jesus Christ? Shame on you. Shame on you. The world's looking at you and you're doing that. Are you kidding me? In this, the last hour of human history, and you're fighting about this or that. Come to your senses. You have been taken captive by the devil to do his will, and you're doing destruction. You're devouring the body of Christ. Stop! I plead with you. We're this close to the rapture. And you want to argue? You want to argue? I'm sorry. No, I'm not actually. I'm not sorry at all. You know, Jesus said, I think it's in Matthew 12. And it's a very interesting way he says it in the original language. It basically carries the idea of this. Uh, Every slanderous word, every argumentative, argumentative, whatever that word is, (laughs) word, every idle word, you're going to give an account for it. We're all going to stand before God one day. And I can assure you on the authority of God's Word, I promise you this, on the authority of God's Word, God on that day is not going to say to you, good job. Man, you sure told them, didn't you? Wow, well done, good and argumentative servant. I don't read anywhere in here where God calls anyone to be the police in the body of Christ. We're not to be police, we're to be paramedics. As for me and my house, me and my church, we're going to stay on message. We're going to preach the word. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to reach the lost while there's still time, because we're almost out of time. 
This is why we do these updates. And this is why we end with the gospel. What is the gospel? The word gospel means good news. Your debt has been paid. You're free to go. That's what the word gospel means. So you might say, well, wait, what debt? Oh, uh, the sin debt. What's the sin debt? It's the death penalty. That's the bad news. As we're going to see, we're all sentenced to death. But here's the good news. Jesus came. He died in our place and set us free. And that's the good news. The good news is that Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose again on the third day, and He's coming back for us one day soon, and very soon. What are the ABCs of salvation? The ABCs of salvation is just a childlike, simple explanation of salvation. It's not intended in any way to insult anyone's intelligence. Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not becoming childish, childlike. You know how children are trusting. They're so trusting, which is why we have to caution them and warn them about what we call and refer to as stranger danger, because they're so trusting. That's what Jesus is saying. You need to have this childlike trust. Become like a child in your trust. So that's what the ABCs are. The A is for admit or acknowledge that you sinned and that you need the Savior. Romans 3.10 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. You might be good, but you'll never be good enough. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, I like it because it, it, for lack of a better way of saying it, packages the bad news first with the good news. I think there's merit to that when we're sharing our faith and, and sharing the gospel. There has to first be this understanding that we've all sinned, we've all transgressed, we've all fall short. Because unless and until we come to that place where we realize that we are a sinner, we're not interested in a Savior. So here's the bad news. The wages of sin is death. That's the death penalty, because all have sinned. But here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is a gift? I know this is a firm grasp of the obvious, but just stay with me. A gift is something that someone purchased for you and gave to you. You didn't pay for it. If you did, it's not a gift anymore, it's a purchase. No, He purchased it and offers it to us as a gift. What did it cost Him? Everything. It cost Him His life. He purchased us with His blood shed in our stead. That's the A, here's the B. The B is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10 
9 and 10 starts off by saying that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And the C, lastly, is for call upon the name of the Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's definite. It's not tentative. You will be saved. And here's why. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And then lastly, Romans 10.13 seals the deal. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Is that, is that too simple? I'm so glad it was for me 38 years ago. I needed it to be simple. If you'd have told me I had to know quantum physics to get saved, I'm, I'm doomed and damned for all eternity because how am I going to do that? No, this is so simple, childlike simple. Father in heaven, on this day that we celebrate as Father's Day, we want to honor you today as our Heavenly Father. And also, Lord, as we now close in prayer, we want to thank you for loving us so much as our Heavenly Father, that you would send your only begotten Son into this world to die for us, so that whosoever would believe in you would be saved and not perish in hell for all eternity. Wow. Lord, I pray for anyone who may even be in this service today or watching online that has never made the most important decision of their life for eternal life, that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would not put it off even one more hour. Lord, for those of us who are saved, would you encourage and strengthen our hearts as we see what's happening in the world today? Would you, as only you can, by the Holy Spirit, lift up our heads. You're the lifter of our heads. That we might look up and lift up our heads knowing that our redemption trusts in here, Lord. Lord, come quickly. Come quickly, Lord. We know you are. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible, though written long ago, is inspired by our Creator. God chose to speak His truth through ordinary men, but these men had their eyes fixed on their Heavenly Father. Their words hold a great deal of meaning for us in our world today, 
and maybe more so in the times we're in. Much of the activity of this world is mirrored in the pages of the Bible and is pointing to a new era that we need to be aware of. In Pastor J.D.'s weekly Mideast Prophecy Updates, he's been searching the scriptures and the news headlines and sharing with us what he's found. You can access these updates by heading to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on the YouTube link. Jesus will be returning to the earth soon to judge the evil that has been destroying it. And that return, friends, is drawing closer with each new day. Pastor J.D. tells us through these updates each week where we are in relation to Bible prophecy and how close our Savior's return just might be. No one knows the day or the hour this incredible event will take place, but we know from the Bible that we've been told what to expect in the moments leading up to this event. If we adopt a sense of anticipation in our daily walk with Jesus, we'll also gain with it an urgency to share the gospel message with the world around us. We're called to unashamedly boast about our Savior and plant the seed of hope which Jesus promises to water. Share Jesus with someone today and join us for another edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update right here on In Spirit and Truth.